Thank you very much. I'll tell you what, it is great, great, great to be here. It is actually great to be anywhere right now. I've, I've contracted some kind of flu uh, in England that you have to really be able to speak Korean to pronounce it well, uh, doctor told me. And so I am here, glad to be here. I got a phone call about a month ago. Uh, it was actually on the 4th of July, and I have an adopted mom in, in England, and she's my mom. And she called me on the 4th of July, Barbara, Barbara Redmond's her name, and she called and she said, It's Barbara. She said, What are you doing? And I said, well, we're celebrating our independence from you guys. What are you doing? <laughs> she didn't laugh near as loud, but she said, I feel you need to come to the New Wine Conference this year. And New Wine, Soul Survivor, is uh, part of the Anglican Church mainly and some of the vineyard churches as well there. It, it's composed of week-long meetings. They gather about 60,000 people over the period of one month and four, four weeks of 15,000 each. And it, it's incredible. I had a great time, but I brought back a, a, a two, two main things I brought back was a, what I believe is the word of the Lord for this church in this hour and a nice touch of the flu. So I'm up here and uh, if I black out and fall down, just act like everything's normal. Don't, don't have any pause. Okay. So I want to read you this. So if I lean on the pulpit or if I act a little a little drugged I am. And I warned Pastor Robert I might say some weird things because I'm on some, you know, antibiotics. He said, don't worry about it. I say weird things sometimes too. So I want to pray over this before I, I, I give it. It's just a, a couple of minutes actually. And then we're going to call some people out individually. But this is a word I believe for the church corporately over Gateway, as well as for individuals and households that are represented here this weekend. Would you bow your heart with me and we're going to pray. Father, we ask you to give the Holy Spirit right now, God, and give us revelation, Lord. I pray you'd leave no one out, God. Give us ears to hear, minds that can comprehend, and hearts that can understand and apply this to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me to Second Kings chapter 13. I have just a few passages to show you. Second uh, Kings chapter 13, and I'm going to start in verse 14. Okay, now this is a story related out of the life of Elisha. This is actually the last of the exploits that he did before he died, the prophet Elisha. Verse 14, it says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. That is not the prophetic message. (laughs) I told the Lord, I don't do this to me. Give me something out of Psalms. And he insisted. Uh, so let me just say this. The prophet is about to die. And you know, Elisha was the heir of the mantle, actually a double portion of the mantle that Elijah carried, the, pre- the previous prophet. You remember? He was taken up alive and Elisha had followed him faithfully. And he had received a mantle and a double portion was promised to him. Just what he asked and True to God's word, he had worked exactly double the miracles in his prophetic time there in Israel. And it had been up to 65 years he'd been serving the king of Israel. But somewhere between 63 and 65 years, he had been the mainstay of the word of the Lord there in Israel. In other words, when you really wanted to know what's the future like, what's God thinking, what's God going to do, you found Elisha and he would seek the Lord for you and he could tell you what God was going to do. Well, 
He had the sickness that would take his life. It says, Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. You see, he's lamenting the loss of what he has found to be his standard stability throughout many, many years of hearing God and knowing what God was doing. And I feel the first thing the Lord is saying prophetically to us is this, as a church here is this, that in the next year to 18 months, God is going to be stirring up some things and maybe even removing some things that have been a spiritual stability to us. And some of the ways that we've heard God, maybe some of the natural means and maybe even some of the people, now not removing them from our life, but removing them from the the place of being just a hands-on constant prophetic voice in our life. And God is wanting to do this so that he has greater access to be that voice directly to us. You see, his desire is to use people to speak and to feed and to do this ministry, but his greatest desire is to have that one-on-one intimacy with us and to speak to us face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. We can have everything that Abraham had and more because we have Jesus. Is that true? Amen. And so there's a little bit of a change there coming that we'll see come to pass. Verse 15, uh, Elisha said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Now this is a weird response. When someone is lamenting over you about to die, it's, it's a strange response to say, take up, take up arms. You know, that's someone visits you in the hospital and they say, I'm so sorry you're sick. And you say, go get your gun. Well, what he's telling him, I believe the king understood, he was saying, get your bow and arrow because you need to become active again in the thing that you are originally called to. You see, the bow and the arrow of the king were symbolic here, and Israel at this time had become highly passive. What had happened in Israel is that it was being invaded and attacked by the Syrians to the east, and they had already come in and captured part of Gilead. They had come in and taken some of the city to the east, And the king was a little bit petrified that the prophet would die and he would be left behind and not knowing what to do. And so that's one of the reasons he's panicking. But Elisha tells him, go get your bow and your arrows. And the next verse he speaks to him. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And what that says to us is this. God is going to put new launching ability into this house, and into the families of this house, and into the individuals in this house, the ability to launch new things for a new season, and things God has called us to for many, many years. Even since the foundation of the world, God has purposed some things that you are supposed to do with your life, but this is a new season that you'll begin to do them. And the comfort is this. You're not holding the bow by yourself. You see, he puts the bow in the hands of the king, but then he puts his hands upon the hands of the king. And that symbolizes God saying, look, you're going to be the one that shoots these arrows, but I'm going to be the strength behind you that pulls it all off. And when God pulls the string back and looses the arrow, it's a guaranteed bullseye. You see, what he's saying to us is this, I have new assignments and new challenges that are coming, new areas of breakthrough, just as we preach the series on breaking through to new levels. I have all these things new, but it's going to be my power so you don't have to be afraid. 
You see, the challenges that some of us will receive, even during the prophetic conference this weekend, you're going to hear things that might scare you a little bit. I'll tell you what, if the dream of God for your life doesn't scare you just a little bit, it's probably not big enough to be God. There's got to be some element that says, God, I'm not big enough to do this. He looks for hearts that say that, say that and then he agrees with you, and then he puts his hand on the bow with you. He says, here, you, you take this bow, I'm going to hold it with you. Verse 17. It says, and then he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians, the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. You see, he wasn't just shooting an arrow out into the crowd and hoping some poor innocent bystander got killed by it, you know. The, the purpose of the arrow being shot was that this was a declaration of war on the camp of the invading Syrians. See, all through history, if you wanted to pick a fight, what you would do was you would drive your chariot or ride your horse or send a runner past the gate of your enemy, and they would hurl a javelin, a spear, or stick an axe in the door, or shoot an arrow into the camp. And basically what that declared was, this is now the beginning of hostilities, the war is on. And it was God saying, listen, I am initiating a fight between you and the enemy that's coming against you, and you're going to go and you're going to strike it. And I want to tell you the, the encouragement in this is this, if God picks a fight, God will win the fight. And God is going to pick some fights for Gateway Church in the next year to 18 months. He's going to pick some fights and it doesn't mean it's hostile. It doesn't mean the community's going to hate you. It means they're going to love you more because what you're going to do is wrap your arms even bigger and better around those who desperately need what you've got to give. He's going to do it corporately and individually. And the good thing is if God picks the fight, he'll win the fight. You see, the danger is us picking a fight and then asking God to come in and, and win our fight for us. So husbands, don't go home and shoot an arrow into your wife's closet. Okay, don't do that because if you do that, God won't show up for that fight. You're on your own there, okay? And so God is saying, listen, you shoot the arrow, it's a declaration of war. Syria has had a, a, a long enough stand here in your life. It's time to drive those things out. And what this speaks to of us is of, of personal things that God is just saying, listen, clear out anything that might represent Syria in your life. But see, it doesn't stop here. There's a higher level of walking in God than just having morality and a strength of character and not falling in besetting sins. God wants us to have those things, sure. But those are a foundation so that we can build upon higher so we can reach more people, so we can help others, you see. And so he has further command to, to the king of Israel in this next verse. He says, verse 18, he says, then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, watch this, strike the ground. So he struck three times and he stopped. Now, I've seen pictures illustrating this verse where there's this king and he's on one knee and he has a big bundle of arrows and he's pounding on the ground with them and that's not what the verse means at all. If I were to tell you that I got struck by an arrow, how many of you would visualize me getting someone, pam, 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 hitting me with a bunch of arrows? This word in Hebrew means to strike out or to shoot. What he was telling him to do was shoot all the arrows you have in your quiver. 
He was saying, shoot those out, strike the ground with those arrows out the eastern window to declare that you want more than just one little victory in your personal life, but that you want victories through the corporate and flowing out and far beyond the reaches of your own walls. What he's saying to him is this, be ambitious now, Joash, be ambitious for the things that God wants to give you. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with having ambition. You need ambition. The Bible only condemns selfish ambition. But ambition for your family is good. Ambition for your marriage. Ambition for your community, for your church, for the kingdom of God, for your neighbors, for your loved ones. Those are good things. And we're to have those things. And what he's saying to us is this. Listen, be ambitious for the things of God. So he tells him, shoot out arrows to the east. Now you shoot. But the problem is the king of Israel takes out three arrows and he just shoots out these three and then he quits. And then the next verse is what I believe the Lord is really building up to say to us here. It says verse 19. Now this doesn't mean God is angry because he's not, but I want you to see he was disappointed with Joash. It says, and the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Listen, then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. See, what he told him was, listen, why did you not shoot all the arrows? See, the problem with Joash only shooting three was not the fact that he only shot three arrows. It was the fact that he did not shoot all the arrows that he had. You see, you may not do everything that everyone else does in your life around you. You may not have the same giftings, the same callings, and the same destiny. But what God is saying is this. Shoot all the arrows that you've been given and don't hold any back. You see, I feel like the the summation of this word, if you can hear this, is, is simple. And it goes like this. Gateway Church, don't be too easily satisfied. And I believe that's a word from the Lord to you individually. Don't be too easily satisfied. Don't be satisfied just to finally not be sick. Only be satisfied when you've fulfilled every purpose of God walking you into any ministry he has for you. Every single family member, every single neighbor, every single job opportunity, every vision he's given you in business and and in ministry. Listen, the key is this, shoot all the arrows. See, the Bible says of King David that when he had served his generation fully, he laid down with his fathers and slept. And that's what I want the testimony of my life to be. It's not about what I'll do or how much I'll do. It's God, did I spend everything you gave me on you? Or did I hold some arrows back because I kind of just didn't care because I was satisfied? See, we got to remember that God is a giving God and he is a father And when he looks at children, he wants to say, listen, don't just ask me for a little playtime in the puddle. Ask me for a time to go to the ocean. Don't just ask me for 50 cents to buy an ice cream. I want to buy you a whole factory. You see, God's heart is that we would respond to him the way he responds to us. That when he says, I want to give you all the blessings of God in in Jesus are yes and amen. All the promises are yes and amen. What he says is don't be too easily satisfied with just a few things. I want to give you the whole bunch. And God was disappointed here because Joash shot only three arrows. But I believe in the next year and 18 months over this house, what God is going to say is don't hold back at all. 
Don't be satisfied with this room being full or with new buildings being built. We need to never come to a place of satisfaction until the whole world is heard and the whole world has believed and the whole world has bowed its knee to Jesus Christ. There's no place of satisfaction. This is not our home. There's no place to finally come to rest. There's a rest in God, but our final resting place is in heaven and that is our home, you see. And until we see Jesus, there's no place in us that can finally say, listen, I've shot enough arrows. All that matters at the end of your life is that you shot all the ones that God gave you. Do you receive that? Thank you, Lord. Bow your hearts. I want to pray over this. And then we're going to just release some individual words right now. Father, we just thank you. God, thank you that you want to give God more than we ask or think. And Lord, I pray that you would just deal in individual hearts right now. Lord, in any areas where we have been satisfied with just enough. God, I pray that you would stir us to no longer be satisfied with just enough. But Lord, to to reach out for all that you have. God, we want to fulfill every single word that you've spoken over our lives, God. Every single thought and plan that you've had for us, God, from the time that we were woven together in our mother's womb, God. Lord, don't let us miss out on a single thing. We thank you in advance for that, Father. Would you just say this in your heart or out of your mouth right now? Just say, God, I don't want to be satisfied. Say it, God, I'm not satisfied. I want all that you have. I want to shoot all the arrows, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Pastor Ray.